What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to chapter 186 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Portrait of a Pilled Capital Rioter episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. This week, we're exploring the story and testimony of Doug Jensen, a January 6th Capitol rioter who was seen in a viral video wearing a QAnon t-shirt and chasing a Capitol officer up several flights of stairs. He has since experienced a roller coaster of legal developments due to his inability to stay away from the internet. But thanks to recently released court documents, we now have a more full picture of Jensen's motivations and activities that day. That's because the documents included a lengthy interview he conducted with the FBI just two days after the riot on January 8th. The conversation is an astonishing look at how QAnon seemingly spurred this man into action. Also, I have to admit, it basically reads like a dark comedy, which uh, just leads me to believe that The Matrix is writing QAA scripts for us at this point. So before we jump into the interview proper, let's explore Jensen's rise to infamy. Wait, you're not going to let, um, I thought we were going to do the thing with Travis about his show? Oh, the side project thing? I don't know. It just doesn't (laughs) seem important enough. It's just like a Travis thing, you know? You don't want to, I mean, he's put a lot of work into it. Okay, all right, fine. Yeah, go go ahead. Travis, tell him. Get on your soapbox, I guess. Yeah, tell tell him about the new show. So, yes, for uh, Patreon supporters of QAnon Anonymous, I've uh, I've kicked off a new show about uh, basically what I call, like, high-authority misinformation, which is, like, you know, bad ideas that come from people in lab coats and suits and other kinds of things. Uh, it's kind of like an anti-don't-look-up. Uh, you know, don't look up. I think it has a good, it's a good parable. It's a good lesson about climate change that sometimes it's important to listen to the experts and the, the people who are researched these sorts of things deeply because otherwise it might be disastrous. But my show, Trickle Down, is about the opposite. What happens when the people who should know what they're talking about absolutely don't? And nobody should be listening to them. So yeah, we're going to do the first two episodes about um, this really disastrous uh, study called the Kalakak family, which uh, fueled the eugenics movement. And we'll be talking about a lot of other kind of really horrible things in history uh, moving forward. So it's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. And that sounds better. Even though it is a Travis thing, I just like I hadn't looked into it too much, but now it sounds kind of cool, actually. Yeah. I'm so sick. Week in, week out. You know, looking at the stuff that we normally cover, how, you know, shit that bubbles up from the depths of the internet slowly works its way up the levels of power. I'm much more interested in hearing how that process runs uh, reverse. Yeah, where uh, you stare up at the ceiling <laughs> and powerful elite piss is forming a curtain that yes. is absolutely covering you yes. with piss. And for that piss... To feel that piss, go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous, and you too will taste the golden showers of Travis's God. creative output. God, yeah. L- love your skills as a pitch man, Julian. <laughs> no problem, man. Any day. Doug Jensen. Doug Jensen is a 42-year-old man from Des Moines, Iowa. He attained national infamy for being the second least conspicuous person to break into the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Ahead of him, of course, the Q shaman, Jake Angeli. Jensen positioned himself at the front of the crowd wearing a t-shirt sporting a giant American flag cue at its center with a bald eagle and two QAnon slogans thrown in for good measure. Trust the plan, and where we go one, we go all. That day, an unidentified insurrectionist posted a viral video to social media showing Jensen, backed by a crowd, chasing a Capitol officer by the name of Eugene Goodman up several flights of stairs near the Senate chamber. 
One participant can be heard exclaiming, where are they meeting at? While another yells, where are they counting the fucking votes? In another video of the event, you can see Officer Goodman attempting to halt the crowd by lightly shoving Jensen back and retreating repeatedly, eventually leading the crowd down a hallway away from the Senate chamber. He's then joined by other Capitol Police officers, still outnumbered by the crowd. It doesn't appear that this specific altercation, thank God, led to any bodily harm. Later testimony by FBI Special Agent Tyler Johnson fleshed out a few more details of what else Doug Jensen did while inside the Capitol. The Des Moines Register explained, According to charging documents, Jensen stated that he intentionally positioned himself to be among the first people inside the United States Capitol because he was wearing his Q t-shirt, and he wanted to have his t-shirt seen on video so that Q could get the credit. At one point, Jensen reportedly took a police officer's hat and put it on his head to take a selfie, only for his phone to die. Jensen believed that they powered it down, according to Johnson, apparently believing the U.S. government had disabled his phone to prevent him from taking the photo. It's not clear when Doug Jensen left the Capitol building, but recently released court documents indicate he later claimed to have gone to bed around 5 or 6 p.m. that night. He slept for around 12 hours before getting into his car at 7.30 a.m. on January 7th and driving from Washington, D.C. back to Des Moines, Iowa. During his drive, multiple friends and family members texted him that they were seeing his face in the news. One message read, Seen you on CBS in the Capitol. Another said, You know you're everywhere, right? A third message said, Hey, uncle, just saw you on the news. Just wanted to tell you I love you and stay safe, please. Overwhelmed by the deluge of messages, Doug Jensen deleted all the apps on his phone and powered it down. According to the FBI, when he got home, his wife told him to turn himself in. As soon as he arrived back at Des Moines, he went to see his wife. She was scared because of all the news coverage Jensen was receiving, and she told him to go take care of the problem. The next day, on January 8th, Jensen allegedly walked six miles to the Des Moines Police Department to turn himself in, explaining that his car had broken down. He told them, quote, I think I'm probably wanted. The cops didn't arrest him. They just told Doug to hang out for a bit while they called the FBI, who had a Des Moines office just 20 minutes away. Jensen was placed in an unlocked interrogation room and waited patiently for the agents, who couldn't believe their luck when they showed up. According to a later filing by his prosecution, this is what FBI agent Tyler Johnson told him. Definitely. You know, first and foremost, we want you to understand this is a voluntary interview, okay? We just, again, we appreciate you coming in. It definitely seems to us that you want to come to talk to somebody in law enforcement, so we're excited to hear what you have to say, okay? Just incredible. This is, this, is, this is great. So, any judge who may be reviewing this conversation, this is a voluntary interview with law enforcement that you are engaging with, right, Doug? Hey. We're just excited to be here, okay? We just You seem it. like you've got a lot to say, you got a lot on your mind, heavy heart, heavy conscious. We're we're here we're here for it. You Doug, know? Doug, we're big fans. Can you just play <laughs> play the hits for us? Jensen agreed to the interview despite not having been read his Miranda rights, not being restrained, and not being under arrest. So big mistake. They informed him that it would be recorded. The FBI agent spoke to Doug Jensen for an hour and a half. At around 10:30 a.m., they asked Jensen whether he would like to go out for a smoke. He said yes. He had even brought his own pack. After this break, during which Jensen was apparently unrestrained, they walked back into the police station, asked Doug if he needed to use the bathroom, which he didn't, and resumed interviewing him for about an hour. During this chat, Doug allegedly, quote, said that he suffered chronic pain as a result of an injury for which he took muscle relaxers, anti-inflammatories, and hydrocodone, which is an opiate. So he was a daily opiate uh, user. <laughs> And chalk another one up. 
At one point, Jensen even asked the FBI whether he should continue researching QAnon. Here's from the court documents. I'm not going to go anywhere, you guys. You know what I mean? I mean, if you want to talk to me again, I will come back. So do I go home and look at that stuff, or should I quit and take a break? Agent James told Jensen he was a grown man and free to make his own decisions, but suggested that more of this reading might lead to more stress and anxiety. Jensen agreed, saying, I think I'm just going to let it go for a while, and I'm just going to pray. Asking the FBI whether you should go and read more QAnon memes is uh, is, unbelievable. That is a level of... He's basically trying to suss out if it's real. If he's it's like, real. Is it real, guys? Should I go back and keep doing this? Yeah, so he's, am I on the right track? Are we <laughs> gonna overthrow the election? Or should I, <laughs> should I delete my history? Right. I want you to finish the sentence for me. My fellow Americans, the storm is... <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Where we go one we go we go <laughs> Oh god oh, oh uh, this cursed world yeah, this absolute oh we've been we've been left the dregs uh, the rapture has already happened and yeah, we, and we're just left duking it out duking it out with the other the other uh, scorned well, you know the- the rapture happened, but for good content. And what we're left with is this <laughs> podcast, Left Behind. Yeah, the good content, the good content. Well, oh, that, that it disappeared around 2004. Went to heaven, actually. Well, <laughs> oh, the good content is up in the clouds with Jesus. Finally, after more than four hours of interviewing Jensen and letting him smoke, an FBI agent walked out of the police station with Doug and drove him home where they collected his cell phone, which he had agreed to turn over in writing. On that same day, at around 8 p.m., the same FBI agents showed up to Doug Jensen's home to arrest him. He was indicted on six federal crimes. Knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. Disrupting the orderly conduct of government business. Violent entry and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building. Parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building obstructing a law enforcement officer during a civil disorder, assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers or employees. Since his arrest, Doug Jensen has been through some legal battles. In July of 2021, his lawyer successfully argued to get Jensen released into home incarceration, explaining that his client had come, quote, full circle and understood that by following QAnon, he had, quote, bought into a pack of lies. The agreement with the judge was conditional on Jensen staying totally offline. No internet use whatsoever no smartphones. But when a pretrial officer came over for an initial home check-in, Jensen was found on a contraband phone watching conspiracy theory content. The prosecution filed a motion to have Jensen returned to jail. Here's what it said in part. A mere 30 days after his release from the D.C. jail, defendant Douglas Jensen was found alone in his garage using a Wi-Fi connected iPhone to stream news from Rumble. When confronted about this obvious violation of his release conditions, defendant provided his pretrial services officer with one excuse after another. First, he claimed that the phone belonged to his daughter. Jensen's daughter, however, later told pretrial services that she had gotten a new phone almost three weeks ago. Then, Jensen claimed that his wife, the same individual who swore under oath to notify the court immediately if Jensen violates a condition of release, 
facilitated his violation by leaving the news on for him when she left for work in the morning. Finally, Jensen claimed not to know the password to the iPhone, only to later enter the password for his pretrial services officer. Jensen eventually admitted to his pretrial services officer that in the previous week, he had spent two days watching Mike Lindell's cyber symposium regarding the recount of the presidential election. The prosecutors further argued that Doug Jensen had faked his disavowal of QAnon to get released into home incarceration. Jensen's lawyer didn't attempt to deny that his client had broken the rules, instead asking for leniency by comparing his actions to a drug addict's. If a drug abuser relapses, there is typically a sanction protocol in place to help the person deal with his or her substance abuse issues. Mr. Jensen requests that his honorable court treat his violation in a similar manner. Jensen's lawyer also noted that monitoring people's media consumption was a worrying development. At first glance, it sounds a bit Orwellian. A man sitting in his garage streaming the news over the internet. Now the government wants to jail him. Orwellian aside, he was wrong, and he's not denying that. The craziest part about this is that one of his excuses was that, like, look, my wife, she left the news on, okay? I started watching the news. I became suspicious that what they were saying was not, in fact, the truth, and I had to go to the secure comms uh, to see <laughs> what the analysis yeah. of that news was. Doug Jensen returned to jail. In December of 2021, his lawyer filed a motion for reconsideration and argued that Jensen was no threat to the public while also inadvertently describing our technocratic dystopia. Here's from that motion. Mr. Jensen did let the court down by listening to news outlets that some may find puzzling. However, in the final analysis, his actions impacted no one but himself. And as the United States has argued, an internet ban would be impossible to enforce, though for reasons different than what the government was arguing. The internet is more than a luxury in 2021. Cell phones are as common as a key to the front door of one's home. In fact, a cell phone may be the digital key to your front door. Googling matters, shopping, checking the weather, streaming movies, emailing, texting, and now attending court are all activities that make the internet an integral part of our lives. And this list is not inclusive of all the many ways that the internet impacts us in our 21st century lives. Mr. Jensen requested he be released to home detention with GPS monitoring, with a ban on utilizing social media. To ban his access to news outlets and information he apparently feels a need to consume is not only difficult to enforce, it also has an uncomfortable ring of totalitarianism. Huh. So this didn't... I, I think that this is a landmark ruling. I think more people <laughs> oh, should God. be banned from the internet. Okay. Uh, I think we should all be banned from the internet, actually. And um... But I mean, it, it does... Yeah, whatever. No, I, I, I know what you're about to say. It is. It's a weird... I mean, the, I, the lawyer's got a point uh, to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah, he is like describing it. an awful reality we find ourselves in in which we are totally reliant on the internet to do basic things in our lives. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a form of torture to not let people get to that sweet, sweet content. It really is. What else is there? What happens to somebody if you ban them from the internet? If you ban them from the internet, they press themselves up to the door of the internet on all four, and they, they stick their tongue under the door trying to get some honey. <laughs> Just trying to get a little taste of the honey on the other side. That's what they do. <laughs> the judge did not allow for another release. Doug Jensen's trial is set for September 19th in Washington, D.C. Recently, his lawyers attempted to have it moved back to Iowa and have argued that the January 8th, 2021 FBI interview with Doug Jensen was unlawful and shouldn't be admitted in court. As a result of the prosecution's response to that motion, we now have a more complete transcript of what Doug Jensen said to the FBI that day. Which brings us to Travis's segment. Doug Jensen's FBI interview. 
Yeah, I think this is a really fascinating, uh, I guess, I guess, document. There's also a video I hope they release eventually. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be interesting for uh, extremism researchers and people trying to uh, help make sense of what happened on January 6th, because it provides a really candid snapshot into the mentality of one of the more prominent participants of the Capitol riot. So, I mean, in the interview, Doug Jensen, he comes really hot out of the gate while talking to the agents. After some initial small talk, the first thing that Doug Jensen talks about is how he was essentially radicalized by false Pizzagate-related interpretations of the DNC emails that were hacked by Russian agents and released by WikiLeaks in the weeks leading up to the 2016 election. I actually believe that Trump is still going to be our president come the 19th, 20th, and I went to Mount Rushmore for the 4th of July, all right? I consider myself a digital soldier. I follow. I was going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I I thought she was going to be the first female president until the wiki were up and where I sat and looked at the stuff and I went through all kinds of stuff and I was like, oh my God. And then along comes Q and you guys know what Q is. (laughs) Damn, dude. The (laughs) FBI agent's just looking at him like, "Ah, we should have listened to that podcast. the 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 FBI agent is looking at him being like, Man, I really wish I could let him know that I believe in it too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it is interesting that like, I don't expect like every FBI agent to like know everything about QAnon, but I would hope they would have somebody who's familiar with this. Because like the FBI agents, FBI, they've got to be like, there's a ton of people I assume are like totally intimately familiar with the, uh, you know, the details of uh, like, you know, uh, Salafi jihadism and like Muslim extremism. They know they got like a, a thousand guys know that, but they don't have like, you know, maybe one or two guys who know the ins and outs of QAnon, you know? This is uh, Travis View's application to be an FBI agent. Take one. <laughs> that would be, I would support that. I, do I not, don't no. Think, what do no. you mean you would support that? <laughs> no, I can't. I think it'd be a good job for Travis. One of the right. deal breakers for me with Travis is if he goes to work for the federal government. I don't think, I don't think that would work out. <laughs> But you guys don't think they would want me, do you? Oh, God. <laughs> I hope they take you. Because you would single-handedly bring down the FBI. I would. Just being there somehow. I would. I would be like, have you guys? <laughs> be like, have you... be like, do any of you guys um, play 2K by any chance? <laughs> I would be like, have you guys heard about um, the holes uh near the top of Antarctica, where Mm -hmm. apparently this guy, I think his name was Richard Bird, (laughs) flew his plane into the Earth's crust, and he Mm. landed there, and... (laughs) I can't even finish the bit. The idea to me is so ridiculous, but hilarious. Please hire him. Later in the interview with the FBI, Doug Jensen reiterates this idea that he was going to vote for Hillary until he got into the Pizzagate stuff. It all started with the crap I found out about Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, you know, all that stuff. And then so right before I was going to vote for Hillary, I was like, whoa, we've got to vote Trump in because we can't have Hillary. And then I started finding things like we're supposed to be dead by now. And if Hillary would have won, we were going to be attacked by North Korea or Iran. We were going to war and we would most likely, I mean, half of us wouldn't be here right now if Trump wouldn't have won that election is, is what I got from it. Now, I think this is interesting because it, it speaks to the whole question of like how much did like Pizzagate related conspiracy theories actually affect how people voted. And this does, according to his own testimony, it seems like he would have voted for Hillary, but then they got totally pilled and then voted for Trump. But at the same time, 
I kind of take this with a grain of salt because a lot of like QAnon people or like conspiracy theorists, they love this testimony. It was like, oh man, I was a brainwashed lib, but then I yeah, got mm, online and then I woke up and then now the sort of the, uh, sort of the subtext is like, and you should be pilled too. You know, yeah, they love yeah. this. They love this conversion story. It's like, if I, you know, I was like fully ready, uh, you know, I was, you know, with her and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then I start I read this email John Podesta her campaign manager talking about a walnut sauce map you know like <laughs> what the fuck is that you know what the hell is that and so I start reading I'm like maybe I'm not with her maybe she's not the most qualified candidate for president in the maybe she's actually slaughtering children and drinking their blood and I'm like this guy who I hate <laughs> who I really don't like. I was very yeah, he sucks, but very against him. You know, he might just be the only chance we've got. Yeah, this does read like I was doing witchcraft and I was a Satanist before I found Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. During the interview, the FBI agent uh, asked Doug Jensen to explain QAnon. You know, I'm actually I'm not as read up on that kind of thing as maybe Tyler is because can you tell me about it? Because you know, I mean, I've heard it mentioned, but I'm it's a group of people that are in the White House, possibly, or with close connections to Trump. And it's, um, I want to say it's an intelligence uh, being dropped to the public. And so I've been following that religiously since the day it came out. I've seriously followed that daily. And everything that has happened to, in real life, has been like I watched a movie. Everything that's happening now, I know it all because it's all old news to me and it's all just coming out now and I was pushing for the Insurrection Act and I was hoping that by doing that and, you know, the reason I made sure I was at the front because I wanted that Q to be on TV, I wanted Q to get the attention. I see. And that was my, my main intention, basically, mm -hmm. was to use my shirt. I basically intended on being the poster boy and it, it really worked out. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that box chat, I mean, you did what you set out to do. That's what I wanted to do, and I was trying to give all the attention to Q. I was trying to fire up this nation. Yeah. I'm all about a revolution, basically. Listen, don't, don't talk to law enforcement if you don't have to. There's, you have a Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate yourself, first of all. And if you do talk to cops, don't tell them, I'm all about a revolution. <laughs> yeah, you can say you're all about a lot of things. Yeah. Just nothing that rhymes with, like, rebel or pollution or, um, you know, anything that, uh, you know. Um, okay, rebel and pollution rhyme know, with revolution. Anything, anything <laughs> that rhymes with, like, insect nation, you know. um <laughs> Insect nation? Insurrection, you know. <laughs> it doesn't even rhyme! Oh, Eminem would be able oh, to make that rhyme. Yes, Eminem, he would because he, he understands inside rhymes. Yeah, he yeah he would be able to make that. Maybe me, not so much. <laughs> but yes, uh, Travis is slowly becoming the two uh, shut the fuck up lawyers. <laughs> like, what do you do next? Shut the fuck up. And I mean, again, Doug was not arrested. He was he was not even in handcuffs. Yeah. He showed up on his own. They didn't even have to read him his Miranda rights because he wasn't under arrest. He was yeah. like, I would love to volunteer some information. And they made sure that they didn't arrest him during that entire interview. Over and over, they told him, you're doing this because you want to. Or, or say anything like, just so you know, even though you're here on your own free will, if you say something that is incriminating, uh, we do have the authority to arrest you. So do you want to well. think about that maybe? See, this <laughs> is something that I don't understand. If I'm an FBI agent, and maybe it's just me, I'm a little bit lazy. 
you know, if I see somebody come in being like, I'm ready to confess, like all sorts of stuff, I'm be like, oh, this is a lot of paperwork for me. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, just so you know, like you don't have to. And if you do, you know, it could be like big trouble. So are you sure you want to do this? Because I'm at lunch. I mean, uh, I mean, it was probably their easiest day of work yeah. ever. It's what are like you talking a, like, about? They got called in for like, would you like to pick up McDonald's to go? Like that was the equivalent <laughs> of their interaction. Like this guy will literally just blab. He doesn't even need to go to the bathroom. Just give him a couple smokes. Yeah, a couple of smokes. Four hours of testimony for nothing. And yes, it's a big deal because everyone's fucking excited about this in the news. This is the FBI agent's like best day. If, yeah. I, if I was him, I would be in that interrogation room like super nervous. Like, oh, fuck, like. Did I make the right choice coming here? I don't know. And then the moment that the FBI agent was like, hey, man, you want to go outside for a smoke? In my head, I'd be like, I'm going to tell him everything. The best. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see like an FBI agent looking through the slit, turning to the other guy and being like, we're not going to need the nipple clamps. Yeah. This guy, this guy's. They were like, hey, they were like, you got that, uh, you got that half deck of smokes that we keep in your desk? And the other agent's like, we don't even need them. He brought his own. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got snicker bars in his pocket he's fucking ready to go he's ready to go he's got a, a bottle of water they did ask him like are you okay you know like are you of sound of mind now i'd argue that someone who takes uh opioids every single day that yeah. might be questionable yeah but he also explained that he had drank like a bunch of red bull so because he had to walk six miles to get there that's a long walk. And they That's gave him a, a ride back thinking. home. That's a lot of thinking. A lot of thinking on a walk. I love the idea of dropping him off after the interview. Like, okay, well, see you later, maybe. Maybe later today. Hey, we might come around asking a couple more <laughs> questions, maybe. Oh, my God. In the interview, Doug Jensen goes on to explain how he got the Q on and how he followed every Twitter account that Q linked to. The FBI agent speaks first. So when you say that you followed Q religiously, like, how does one do that? I mean... I pulled it from... Well, when I learned back in 2017 about the Q drops, I... Well, the first one, I don't know, I was... It was on my drop 100 by the time I found out what it was, but I real quick caught up and I stayed on it daily, every day for the last two years and checked any Q drops. Oh, uh, I see. And Q would tag people here and there, like on Twitter or here, and I saved everything. I followed every person and I continued to look at everyone, those people's tweets, every day. When Trump tweets, it bleeps my phone. <laughs> you don't know how many tweets I, you know, how many alerts I've gotten because of that man. Yeah. And I read every one of them. Fuck, man. Imagine loving cops so much and that somehow you, you just don't get it. You're not even suspicious of them. You don't even believe that you're putting yourself in danger. Yeah, Imagine just walking in and talking for four hours and, and then being like, oh man, that's true. They, they never read my Miranda rights. And I, I signed an agreement that said I, could, I would give them my phone immediately after this. They drove him home and then took his phone from his house, which he was like, I just want it back. Like, can you just copy it and give it back? And like, I mean, who knows? Like, based on the, the way he is, uh, you know, volunteering this information like i'm not so sure he doesn't think that the cops are like well we got to catch up on this QAnon stuff because it's real and there's going to be a lot of changes coming into the country and this young man might be he might be an expert yeah he's kind of excited to share it with them yeah doug jensen also talks about how he read the q drops and what's interesting is that he doesn't reference eight coon at all and because he says he got his q drops from q drop aggregator sites like qmap.pub and q alerts but uh, in the transcript, he keeps referring to qmap.pub as just q.pub for some reason. So is all of this on Twitter or is it also on other platforms as well? Well, it started off on Twitter. 
No, it started off with Q.pub, and then Q.pub got shut down, and now I have another one. Um, it's like QAlert.something. I can't, I don't have my phone, uh, but he hasn't dropped now for like 30 days. Uh, what I believe is about to happen, what I believe honestly uh, with my heart, is the first arrest is going to shock the world. And I believe it's going to be Mike Pence, you know, the vice president. He's going to be the first. That's in my opinion. The idea that, yeah, the first arrest will shock the world. That's a direct reference to a Q drop. And, I mean, it's just so insane how the narrative shifted. I mean, if you would ask somebody six months ago in QAnon who the first arrest was going to be, they would have said Hillary Clinton, uh, Barack Obama. But in this moment, January, you know, after after the insurrection, you know, Q has not posted for 20 days. And the answer is, I believe the first arrest is going to be Mike Pence. This is like, you know, the, you know, extreme Christian vice president who was going to be like Trump's, uh, you know, second in command or whatever. It's like, yeah, but it's like. It's, it's really weird because they judge, you know, what is going to happen based upon like what would be the most shocking. Is the most shocking arrest be Obama or would be the most shocking arrest be Hillary? No, no. Mike Pence, that would be the most shocking arrest. So it's got to be him. Yeah. And even before January 6th, there were uh, Mike Pence conspiracy theories floating around QAnon circles. A lot of right. QAnon people had turned on Pence and believed that he was part of some other like Deep child state. trafficking thing mm -hmm. in his state. Well, and then also I remember reading, um, yeah, that Mike Pence had like struck a deal with the deep state and that like, you know, he was actually working alongside the Democrats, which I also saw some liberal conspiracy theorists uh, talking about as well, that that Pence was actually, you know, the level headed one and that and that he would somehow be able to wrangle Trump. I don't know. Yeah. So QAnon saying Pence is a black hat while uh, Blue Anon saying Pence is a white hat. Yeah. Good stuff. Good. Good. We should have never given people hats. Okay. <laughs> Colored hats. Better than your never given people takes, generally. <laughs> Takeaway hats. Doug Jensen uh, also seems to be under the impression that Joe Biden owned an island next to Epstein Island, which is obviously not true, and also not something I really heard a lot from QAnon followers. That's not something that Q ever said. Also, Q, said, Q has said things, okay, so like, an anonymous, okay? Basically... I was not into politics until WikiLeaks dropped. And then when I realized about Haiti and the Clinton Foundation and the kidnappings all through the Clinton Foundation, and then I learned about Epstein Island, and then I learned Mike Pence owns an island, right? Or um, not Mike Pence, uh, Joe Biden owns an island next door. And then I find that Hunter Biden and Burisma Holdings and all that, I knew about that a year or two ago. What a jumble. Yeah, this is the this is the the broken mind of a of a radicalized conspiracy theorist that is so deep into it that um, any consideration for his own freedom or safety is out the window. In the interview, Doug Jensen then discusses a pretty universal theme amongst the uh, testimony of QAnon followers: this is losing family and friends over QAnon. He also discussed the tip-top Q-proof, and this is when an Anon on 8chan asked Trump to use the phrase tip-top at the State of the Union address, which is if tip-top is just a phrase that Trump uses occasionally. Um, and Trump didn't use that phrase at the State of the Union address, but he did use the phrase tip-top later during an Easter address. And this was considered good enough. This was considered a Q-proof. It's like, it's weird and it's garbage. But Doug Jensen seems to um, think it was very convincing. He also has like a weird, confused understanding of the Q-proof. 
he thinks that uh, Q used the phrase Saint Tippy Toppy, which is not true. Q didn't Q didn't say that. It's like even the most fervent believers don't have um, the same kind of grasp of this, you know, of their savior, you know, if you will, as Travis View does. <laughs> it's um, it's amazing to me how, like, yes, that this person wore a, a Q t-shirt at the front of the insurrection. They wanted to get on TV, but they don't know. I mean, they they have the general beats for the most part, but it's they don't know it like you know, you would expect them to. Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, like all these all these QAnon followers, like they all have like, you know, their own idiosyncratic kind of personal version of what the QAnon world says. And sometimes it's really right. jumbled, but they all have what they have, this inner feeling of like secret knowledge and esoteric information and certainty that they know what's really going on. Even if like the details of what supposedly is really yeah. going on is like kind of fuzzy. Doug says in the interview, you know what pissed me off too is you know, I'm on Facebook a lot trying to post pro-Trump stuff, pro-Q, pushing that just because I got 500 people. And if I can just get, you know, I just wanted to get Trump to win a, and then uh, it's indiscernible in the transcript. It's all I tried to do, basically. So I figured by putting this information, I've lost friends, I've lost family, I have, I, you know, all over this. And they think I'm insane. And I don't believe I am. I believe everything, you know, 100%. And it wasn't until Q started saying things like St. Tippy Toppy. And then the next thing, you know, Trump's giving a speech and he throws the word tippy toppy out there. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, and little things like the storm is here, you know. In QAnon lore, uh, the storm is supposed to be kicked off after Trump tweeted the phrase, my fellow Americans, the storm is upon us. Obviously, that didn't happen. But according to Doug Jensen, Trump did start a speech with my fellow Americans, as like every president does. And that was apparently good enough for him. Q always told us that when he says, my fellow Americans, the storm is here, that's when we're supposed to go. That's when we're supposed to do anything. Well, he started off that speech a couple weeks ago with my fellow Americans. That's all he had to do. There is also this, uh, this funny exchange in which Doug Jensen talks about something that was popular in some segments of QAnon world. Um, so in 2017, Trump signed Executive Order 13818, which was called Blocking the Property of Persons Involved in Serious Human Rights Abuse or Corruption. In December of 2020, like after he lost the election, uh, Trump continued the national emergency with respect to human rights abuse and corruption. So a lot of QAnon followers thought that this a, a continuation of the emergency uh, was a prelude to the storm of mass arrests. In addition to that, on January 1st, Trump signed the Safeguarding Tomorrow Through Ongoing Risk Mitigation Act, or the STORM Act. This is true. He did sign the STORM mm, Act okay. after uh, on January 1st. And this authorizes the Federal Emergency Management Agency to provide grants to states to establish funds to reduce risks from disasters and other natural hazards. So this is just an emergency funding bill. It was actually sponsored by a Democrat has nothing to do with like arrests or like corruption or anything like that. But naturally, QAnon followers thought it had special significance. And so uh, so this is what you know, Doug was referring to. So Doug Johnson brings this up and he's baffled that the FBI agents have no idea what he's talking about. And then January 1st to January 2nd, the storm, executive order, storm. Do you, do you know what that is? I don't. You guys work for the FBI? You know, I... What do you do? I mean, look it up on your phone. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Look up the storm. It just went into effect January 1st and January 2nd. 
what are we going to find? It's basically what it's talking about is how Trump now has the power to use the emergency broadcast system to speak to the people because he's being blacked out. And I think we're right now at, at the start of our 10 days in darkness. You know, I, um, oh man, but 10 days from now, because, well, 10 days from maybe when he was on Twitter and Facebook and all that, our president was, mm-hmm. well, you just, um, I guess you got to follow Q. Okay. You know, otherwise I sound like a total cuck, so. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man. Literally, like, posting to the FBI like you're in a fucking Discord with other Pepes. It is, that is, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a cuck, you know. But, yo, you work for the FBI? You don't know about Q? And you don't know about Q? Look you don't know up, about dude. the storm? Look, Look it, it up. up. Look it up. Just, dude, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It is, it is like what's going on here is that man, he just lives in his own like QAnon reality, mm-hmm. which he has no real idea of how government functions at all because Q's been misleading him. Or, e- and so- or even what the plan is. He he just mm-hmm. has these kind of jumbled phrases yeah. sort of bouncing around in his head generally. Okay, there's 10 right. days of darkness, there's the executive order, there's the emergency broadcast system, there's the Q has flooded these people's brains with so much dog shit uh that when uh, Asked to sort of, um, you know, if you believe in this, if you believe in this and you're asked to, t- to tell somebody how it's going to go down, you you can't. Well, because they ate food, right? It was like a chicken breast, some green beans or whatever. Yeah. But now they're puking it up. And yeah, it turns out all the bits are just kind of mixed up. It's very colorful. <laughs> and it's nothing like the meal that was ingested. Yeah. Doug Jensen also talks about another event in QAnon lore that supposedly happened during the funeral of George H.W. Bush. So they believe that during this funeral, like Jeb Bush and um, right. all of his family members, they were like they were like handed these slips of paper that like said something like "You're being arrested" or "We know about all your crimes" mm-hmm. or something general, and um, and they acted shocked after being handed these slips of paper. Jensen says, "I think it was George Bush's wife, but." or mom or something, but they hand her a letter, okay, like right in the middle of this interview, and George Bush Sr. had a wrinkled flag on his casket, and that should have never happened, you know? That was one thing. And then before the funeral said, watch for the letters. Watch for the letters at the funeral, you know? And the next thing you know, the Secret Service guy hands the Bush mom, I want to say, and H.W. standing there, and Jeb is right there, and they hand her this, and she looks at it, and she goes, she shows Jeb, and this is right as their own father's going by. And he, he pulls his hand down from his heart. He's got this look of just fear of God in his face. And then during that same, you know, so Q already told me to watch for these letters. And then that all happens. Every time Q always says something, it always happens. Every time Q said anything, it always came true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great response from the FBI guy. It's just like... Okay. 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 Makes a note in his book. Yeah. (laughs) Go on, Doug. Yeah. They let him take a smoke so they could take a break. Yeah. (laughs) Because it is exhausting having someone rant at you Mm -hmm. like this. That's true. That's true. Doug Jensen then talks about how Q helped him realize that the media is lying and discusses his research methods. And he also talks about this insane belief that Justice John Roberts, there's a video of John Roberts like killing raping and killing a kid which is not true oh and, boy uh, like and so it, it the i mean this is another instance where the fbi's reaction is very funny and it's uh you know so 
I'm a full believer that somebody's out there trying to give the real information to the public, basically, you know. And so I used to believe the news and believe everything it said, you know. I heard it on TV. It's true, you know. And over the last four years, I've learned that the corporations, there's only like five different, like Disney owns ABC. Uh, That's only like five or six different corporations or people that own pretty much all of TV and news and all that. So we're getting, we're obviously getting one-sided news and it's coming from China maybe I mean maybe China owns Disney I don't know but basically China's pretty much blackmailed according to you know what I've researched like with um Justice John Roberts whatever his name is there's a video that's going to come out here real soon uh, that he rapes a kid and then murders that kid all right I don't know. Are you guys playing with me that you... Is that something Q said or... I don't don't even know where I got that because, you know, Q only says certain things and then Q tells you to watch out for this info. Right. Uh, This is unbelievable stuff. I mean... Yeah, it is is fascinating because he's like, oh, wait, but you you guys, you FBI guys really don't know about the horrible blackmail from China and the John Roberts video is they like, okay, where'd you get this information? It's like, I have no idea. (laughs) Like, you can't like even cite the sources. Like, I was like, it's like, I can't believe you don't know this thing that I'm not even sure why I, where I heard this or why I know it. I think what he's, I mean, I'm just, I'm just making an assumption, but I think what he's trying to say is Q says certain things and then there are people who interpret what Q says and maybe right. this came from an interpretation or something yeah. like that. What's amazing to me is that even in the logic of QAnon, the FBI is a bad guy in general, you know, and uh, is considered bad even in like broader MAGA belief systems. So I mean, I mean, even yeah, by I his mean, own rules, you shouldn't trust these guys this much. Here's the thing is like, like, it's true that like, you know, the FBI was like investigating Trump and stuff, but there's still a strain of like trust of the FBI because there was the Mueller white hat theory. Whereas the belief oh, that, okay, yeah. it's like, oh, even though like the, the special, you know, the former FBI director is investigating Trump, he's a former Marine, he's, he's secretly on the MAGA side. And there's also the Trust Ray, Trust Christopher, uh, you know, FBI right. director Christopher Ray. So there's, I mean, obviously there's like, you know, QAnon followers, you'd think they'd be super skeptical of like, you know, the intelligence agencies and they think they would be like, you know, think that they're all deep state and stuff. But for some reason, they can't let go of this trust of the feds. In the interview, Doug Jensen also talks about the conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton secretly murdered JFK Jr. in a plane crash in 1999. It's clear that Jensen doesn't believe that JFK Jr. is alive, but man, he wants to believe. He hopes it's true. Well, then Q also posted, hey, this person said this, so I followed that person. So I continued every person he ever, I've got the full list and I've, I check every one of those Twitters daily, you know, like, I'm not saying JFK Jr.'s alive, but I sure would love that to be true, you know. But I don't know. It's just coincidental that he was safe until he decided to run against Hillary in New York in 2000. He comes out with a magazine and he publishes it and it's the battle for 2020 or something right on the cover. And he named the magazine George, okay? Cindy Crawford was in that magazine, if I remember. You know the one I'm talking about? Was she? I don't know if she was on it, but I'm sure she was. Mm Mm-hmm. But... So then at the Trump rallies, there was a guy. His name was, I can't think of the guy's name, but he looks really like Junior and everybody thought he was Junior. And so that's what started the whole Junior craze. And then I started digging more. And then I find out that the Q has a uh, Michael Jackson's Neverland. Anyway, uh, I don't know. He's got a, (laughs) Jesus Christ, I can't even make it through this. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, let's see if I can figure figure yeah, this out. You can do it, Jake. 
And then I started digging more, and then I find out that the Q has a Michael Jackson's Neverland. Anyway, I don't know. He's got at the Neverland Ranch, he has a circle with children sitting in it, and their legs hang off, and it makes the Q. And so, I don't know, maybe he faked his death. Um, Maybe all these people faked their death to go against the corrupt people. It's kind of what I'm hoping happens. So, sounds like he was almost Vincent Fusca. Right, right. Almost there. He looks a lot like him. I can see it, maybe. But God, he's like, he can't quite make that leap. He's like, he's almost there and thinking the, basically going with like the negative 48 level cult stuff. Right. Thinking like all the dead celebrities are secretly alive and are about to expose all the horrible corruption. In the interview, the discussion then turns to the subject of why Doug Jensen was in D.C. on January 6th in the first place. So what did Q say about what happened at the Capitol the other day? Q didn't say anything, but make sure you go. Okay. And when did he say that? Was that well? He did. He didn't say it. When you go to the app, well, Trump said the reason I went was because Trump said he had info for us at this rally, and I honestly thought I was going there to be told. I thought it was showtime, and uh, when you say showtime, you mean I thought all these arrests were going to start happening, like I've been hoping, I guess, and nothing. Well. I went to the Trump rally with the hopes of finding out some information because he said he has some great information for us. How do you find out about the rally? Well, I found out from the rally from all the different people I follow. In a later part of the interview, Doug Jensen reiterates his belief that, uh, that Trump was going to offer some sort of shocking information to the rally goers. Trump posted, make sure you're there January 6th for the rally in Washington, D.C. I'll have some great info. And so to me, that was... Oh, here it comes because, and then, you know, all he said, well, where's Hillary? Well, where? I already know that. Q said, where's Hillary four months ago? You know, so I was kind of like, that's all you got. Where's Hillary? You know, he, and then he got us all fired up to go to that White House. And then it just all happened so quick. And I just wanted to make sure that I wanted to be in the front. Basically, I wanted to get that Q shirt, the attention. So yeah, this is another thing. He keeps confusing. He says he wanted to go into the White House. He confuses the Capitol building and the White House. When he goes to the, uh, the Capitol building, he is under mistaken belief that he's at the White House. Doug Jensen uh, talks about how the Q-supporting lawyers, Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell, got him all excited. Lynn Wood's new. Like everything Lynn Wood has dropped in the last couple of weeks is old news. Like that's all old news to me. And so Lynn Wood got me fired up. Sidney Powell got me fired up. Rudy Giuliani got me fired up, you know. And then I go to this Trump rally, and I was just hoping it was showtime, basically. And then he gets done with this rally, and I'm just kind of like, he's like, oh, let's all go march down peacefully, you know. He didn't tell us to go storm the building, okay? (laughs) Sounds kind of disappointed. It was like, oh, hoping that, like, Trump would be a leading general, basically, guiding, you know, all the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers inside the Capitol building. My God, on on a giant elephant. (laughs) Jensen, in the interview, discusses the scary moment when he and a group of rioters breached the Capitol building. I got up to this one building. This guy pulled his backpack out, and he had uh, weapons, you know, and he started bashing the window in it. Oh, man, I didn't know what was going on at this point. I thought, this is us. This is it. This is, you know, Trump, you know, the patriots, the people that stand for this country, you know. I thought we were going to change the world. I don't know. I don't know what I thought. So let me ask, before you saw that backpack, did you have any indication that there were weapons involved? No, like I was actually kind of shocked at first. And then it was all happening so fast, you know. And the next thing you know, I'm going through that door and along with the whole crowd behind me. 
he's so, I don't know, caught between two worlds where it's like, oh yeah, I want like uprising and I'm all about revolution. I want, I want to see blood and horrible things, but all of a sudden smashing windows. Oh, that's scary. Like once it starts like happening for real, he gets a little squeamish. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight the movie got too real. Yeah. Jensen also describes his paranoia after all of a sudden having his picture in the national news. I wanted to be the first one in that door, you know, with my Q shirt. That's it. Okay, and there's a black guy, and he's standing there, okay? And I got this weird feeling that, okay, so I had lots of people I was driving home. I shut my phone off. I deleted all my Twitters, my Facebooks, because I'm paranoid thinking Mark Zuckerberg and his henchmen or somebody's going to try to locate me through one of these apps. So deleted every freaking app on my phone and shut my phone off, you know, because I was afraid of being killed on the way home, being a poster child. I feared for my family, you know? There are lots of people that are completely brainwashed by the media. They're making me out to be this, well, they're making the Trump, you know, they're making the whole rally out to be a, what about Black Lives Matter burning these cities down and they don't get nothing? Like, we go in, we try to, you know, we we can't have a president for four years. He won. You know, why can't we just have him as a president for like four years? Like, you know, I, I don't understand why that was so hard, you know? They tried to destroy him from the beginning. In the interview, there's also this one section where Doug Jensen expresses his frustration about like being so much better informed about everyone else, about what's really going on. Well, what I want to hear from you guys is if you guys are the FBI, why haven't you guys looked into this stuff? Why haven't you guys made a move? You know, if I'm just this guy that lives in a little area of Des Moines, how come I know so much? You know, I don't understand. It just makes no sense how all this stuff that I know and I try to share on Facebook and people are like, oh, dude, I don't even see your Facebook. I have to literally go to your page and it's like, really? You know, and I always try to put the I've done nothing but research for two years straight. Mm -hmm. I come home. I work. I get up. I work eight hours a day. I come home and just sit on my phone researching daily. Yeah, I was I I don't even watch TV. I don't even I just sit and stare at my phone. I check on Wano Savin or whatever. I don't know if you know who that is. And check on JFK Jr. if it's actually him or not. And that other guy that uh, I can't think of his name, but the he looks like him and everybody thought it was him and he was at his Trump rallies. And then he had the, his this woman that looked like Jackie, you know, standing. So I don't know, man. I, I, I truly started believing that, you know, I still do, actually. I'm not saying the JFK part because that's probably a little bit out there. Right. But that's more of a hope, I guess. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Multiple times he tells them he hopes JFK Jr. is alive. Like it just It's a dream. It's a it's just, a dream board. I, th- it I have to say, man, QAnon plus Red Bull plus opioids, man. This is mm. this is not a good recipe for life. It is interesting because, like, it basically happens when, like, someone who's, you know, living inside of QAnon world goes and interacts with someone who actually works for the government, for the federal government. And he's like, oh, he assumes, he assumes like, okay, you got to know all the stuff I know too. Yeah. Uh, But he's like, why don't you? But all the same, like, like little passage, he's like, oh, I know all the stuff. Why don't you know it? And it's like, I don't even know if JFK Jr. is alive or not. I'm not sure. It, like, goes from being totally know. You're the FBI, like, a little bit of help, like, is he, <laughs> isn't he? You know, the guy, he saw, oh, man, what was, he had hats, he sold the hats, <laughs> he had the van, standing with Jackie. Kept bringing middle-aged women into the van. <laughs> I wonder if, in some ways, if he's just throwing everything out there, hopeful, hoping that, like, one of the FBI agents is like, 
Oh, we well, we know about Jackie at the rally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one's true. We can confirm that. He's like, he's looking for something. Oh, uh, Joe Biden's island? Yeah, we're well aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're still trying to assemble an amphibian team to take it. In the interview, uh, Doug Jensen also discusses his confrontation with Officer Goodman. When the guy ran up for me and I chased him up the stairs, and then he went up more, and then he pulled his baton out at the top of those stairs, and I was like, hit me, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'll take it for this country, you know? And then he, he kind of did this thing like, like this, and then took off running again, and that's when I chased up to the next section, and then that's when I got this room where they're all in there, right? There are all kinds of Capitol Police and military, you know, and I went in there and I'm like, why are you defending these mofos? You know, like, go and arrest them. They're all like, look, we have orders. We have wives and children and we can't. We have orders, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, you're the ones with the power. You guys got the weapons, you know, let's do this, you know, and they all, they liked me and I, and I showed respect. I never pushed, I touched any cop uh, and I was never aggressive, even towards the I mean, it sure looked like that on the video. I'm, I'm kind of a scary-looking person, but really I wasn't, you know, a- as aggressive as that looks. Yeah, there's a, I think, a really uh, well-publicized photograph, and Doug Jensen is, like, wearing his Q-shirt and his beanie. He's sort of, like, showing his arms wide. And he looks mm-hmm. like, he's basically looking like he's trying to taunt the officer. Yeah, come at come me, bro. At, it's yeah, a come, it's at, a me come at me, bro, bro gesture. That's mm-hmm. how I, I, I interpreted it. It just mm-hmm. literally looks like uh, an Ubisoft NPC trying to, like, <laughs> taunt you towards a bandit camp or something. <laughs> In the interview, we learned that Doug Jensen wasn't a fan of uh, the QAnon shaman Jacob Chansley because Jensen was under the false impression that Chansley's chest tattoo was a pedophile symbol. So he's baking even his fellow Capitol writers. Anyway, so that's where I found out first about your FBI file on pedophile symbols. And then that's when I learned about comic ping pong and all that crap, you know. And then, oh no, that's all fake too. But this symbolism is all there. And it's like, how? So I'm like on Twitter, and then I see, oh my God, that dude had that, you know. And if I would have known that, I would have turned around and beat the living crap out of that guy, you know, just for having that tattoo. And if he was a patriot, and he was definitely not a patriot, well, I don't know. I, I was under the impression that he wasn't a patriot. Is that the guy with his face painted? One of them? Like, yeah, the... yeah. Okay. You know, I think there's a really interesting segment of the interview in which Doug Jensen, he talks about his life and it sounds like he had kind of a rough go of it. Um, he describes as a child being uh, taken from foster home to foster home. He also claims that he was a victim of child molestation, which he credits to uh, for his uh, desire to fight. I think what really gripped me from the beginning was a child trafficking and all that with the Hillary Clinton thing. That's what hooked me right off the bat. I was molested from when I was seven until I was 14. Right now, that guy currently has a restraining order against me, so I have texts with him. Uh, He's a high-up person in Mayo Clinic in Rochester. I was like, I'm going to call the Human Resource Department. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to mail letters to all your neighborhoods, you know. I I was done with him at that point. I'm really sorry to hear that that happened to you. Yeah. I mean, I'm really, I mean. And I think this is really, was like my rise up to fight it in a way, I guess. Horrible. This is horrible yeah. stuff. Yeah, horrible. It is, even the it is FBI really guys like, "Oh, dude, I'm sorry." Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it's not the first time we've heard this from from QAnon followers um, about like you know being, being surviving um, you know abuse like this. 
at one point during the interview, Doug Jensen lifts off like the main QAnon accounts that he followed on Twitter, and one was called John F. Kennedy Jr., and he also talks about uh, 107 and uh, Three Days, Three Nights, and the account E, which is also known as E the Friend. He also mentions Joe M's plan to save the world video. And at one point, uh, Doug Jensen mentions the 10-part video series Fall of the Cabal by the Dutch QAnon promoter Janet Ossebard. But the transcript keeps referring to it as Fall of Kabul. Oh, my God. I mean, it sounds like whoever, I don't, I don't know how they do these transcripts, but if it's like, if it's being done manually, it sounds like whoever's like, had no idea what the hell he was talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, that makes sense. That's kind of healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. But like, geez, I was like, hope like, you know. Once it gets to this point, I hope the feds will be somewhat familiar with the radicalizing content that motivates people to storm the Capitol building. No, 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 no. They owe you nothing. (laughs) During the interview, uh, Doug expresses anger at the reporting by the Des Moines area news station KCCI and totally unprompted says that Putin seems like a decent person to him. I'm wondering, you know, what do you think should happen to you as a result of what's going on? I just want to, what should happen to me? What should happen to... What should happen to KCCI for making me out to be, making us out to be terrorists, you know? I'm not a terrorist. I am patriotic. I am for America. And I feel like we are being taken over by communist China, you know? And the whole Russian collusion was fake. I don't know what the deal with Russia is, but I don't know, Vladimir Putin, he seems to be like a decent person, but I could be crazy, you know? But I thought we were taught from a young age to hate Russia and all this stuff. I've researched on Vladimir Putin. I was like, this guy doesn't seem so bad, you know, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. And I don't know because I didn't look in the eye completely. When the news says Russia, I look the other way, you know? Whatever the news says, I don't listen. I don't even take the time to, you know, because I've seen the proofs that they're lying to us, that they can't say anything, you know? So I don't even watch TV. So another interesting sort of like uh, insight into QAnon, how QAnon epistemology works is like, whatever the news says, the opposite is true. I don't even have to look into it. Just yeah. whatever it says, it's false. And uh, that's, that, I mean, it's just sort of like total, absolute reactionary kind of way to see the world. Mm-hmm. In the interview, there's also this really interesting moment of clarity where Doug seems to recognize that all the things that he thinks are going to happen just never happen. They blocked Trump on Twitter. He has no way to speak to the people right now. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Storm Act took effect on the first or second. And the Storm Act has to do with the emergency broadcast system. Okay. And basically, he's going to use the emergency broadcast system. Well, what I think he's going to use it for is to show video confessions of all these people. And they're all going to Gitmo. And if you look at the size of Gitmo compared to four years ago, it's massive now. I believe that he's draining the swamp, you know? I completely trust this president, you know? And I've lost all faith in Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff. You know, just, I I can't think of him right now, but... Yeah, are there other planned protests or anything like that that you're aware of? No. Would it surprise you after, I mean, as much as the media and broadcast attention that DC got, I mean, everybody across the country was watching that stuff unfold, right? Right. It's a big, big incident, you know? A historical thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So... And that's why I wanted to be there. Do you think that there's... Because I was under the impression that this is it. This is going to be historical. Yep. So it's why I went. So based on that then, I mean, do you think that'll be like a catalyst to further protests or anything else down the road? Particularly within the next 10 days where, like you've told us, this 10 days of darkness, right? That's where he's being muted, basically. Okay. That's... I don't know. I... I don't know. Okay. 10 days of darkness. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a thing a long time ago. It's just something that stuck with me. 
Also, Done in 30 was another, another big one, Done in 30. I don't know. I thought, I don't know what I thought the start date was for that. Yeah. But it kind of came and went, and then I was wrong again, wrong again. I'm always wrong again. <sighs> you know, it's, oh, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's funny that the FBI agent was like trying to like take him seriously. Okay, like, so 10 days of darkness. Does it mean like something's going to happen after 10 days? Like he's trying to extract some information from him. Right. He thinks that he sounds like he's worried that like, you know, there might be another violent protest or something. And Doug Jensen, even though he claims he, he feels so certain, he claims they have secret knowledge. It's like, oh, well, I, I really don't know what that means. And there's this other thing that says done in 30. And I don't know what that means either, but. It's just, I mean, he's so, he's, he's like so scrambled. So even though in that moment he was like, he realized like, oh man, I just like, I believe these things. They wound up being wrong. Uh, just a short while later in the interview, he reiterates his belief that Q was totally right and totally legit and he totally trusts it. Yeah. So I wonder how much responsibility you think Q has for this whole thing. I don't blame Q for, I, I mean, I believe in Q 100%. I still believe that Trump is going to be our president and that there's some trick he has left, you know, and that all these arrests are going to happen. And there's going to be this emergency broadcast that's going to like broadcast the videos of all their, you know, them admitting to all the stuff. And I'm still holding on to that, I guess. And then I was kind of hoping General Flynn would become the vice president, you know, because that's more realistic than JFK Jr., who probably passed away, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on my wrist, I have Flynn for the win. And it says digital soldier. And that's all I am. Like, you know, my job as a digital soldier is to be the news and try to share that stuff that I find on Facebook. Right. In my way, that's my doing my part. I'm showing it to at least a couple hundred people, you know. And that's how the message spreads. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's all I was doing. I was doing my part. So if I'm getting this correctly, you are a digital soldier, Doug? <laughs> Just uh, mind boggling stuff. Near the end of the interview, uh, Doug discusses touching the Washington Monument in D.C., and he also discusses some interesting findings regarding his research into the symbolism of the monument. That's just me, you know, showing my cue for my friends, showing I'm touching the obelisk or whatever you call it. What do you call it? What do you call it again? Obelisk. And so that, that was another thing that I came across. Uh, was, uh, was that was supposed to be a giant penis? I don't believe I think it's an it's a knockoff of like an Egyptian obelisk is I think what they were going for there. So yeah, because I was like, what? They're like something I read was translated. Yeah, they basically built a giant penis, and I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, man! This really is just a dark comedy written with such horrifying. There's yeah. nothing. Why? There's no fiction that can match this level of horror. No. You're, yeah, we voluntarily go into the FBI and give them, like, uh, everything they could possibly want to, you know, uh, convict you. And also talk about how you read that the Washington Monument is secretly a giant cock. Yeah, it's just secretly. like... Secretly. What, what does he think? You chip away the statue and under it is a giant cock that's being, like, like, <laughs> that, like that's know. some sort of helmet the giant cock is wearing? <laughs> It's just like, that's what all conspiracy theorists and now just like generally like right wing, you know, MAGA people do. They just 
want to try and pill you in some way or suss out if you believe in... I, I was yeah. fucking sitting outside the other day with a buddy of mine. I was helping move, and this guy walks up with his dog, and I was it was a beautiful dog. I was like, oh, it's amazing. And you were just talking about the dog, and then like within less than two minutes, he's like, yeah, beautiful weather out today. Well, you know, that's one thing that these California politicians can't touch is the weather. And I'm like... And then he's tired. And it's just like everybody wants to suss out. Like if you're in that camp, all you want to do is either A, see if the people that you're talking to are red-pilled, or B, if they're not, you know, try to, uh, you know, give them as much as you know to start them on their journey. And it's no different with the FBI. It's like anybody who will listen, like, yeah, I'll tell you all about it. Noticed uh, it's a beautiful day out. That's one thing these California politicians can't change is the beautiful weather here. The people who do change it are the Jews, by the way. <laughs> Man, I was so close to making like a weather machine, you know, weather satellite joke. And then I was like, you know what? Not worth it. Not worth it. That's no. going to extend this conversation by 45 minutes. So you pet the dog and you walk yeah, on. Yeah, I pet the dog. Yeah, I pet the dog. Shake, shake the hand. Wash the hand after. You shook his hand? Go inside. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, did uh, you come to some business agreement? It was or? like a friendly way. No, no, because like we did were you like spit in your palm. We were like, like talking, and then at the end, he was like, "Hey, I'm so and so," and I was like, "Oh, hey, man, Jake. Good to meet you, man. Good to meet you. See you soon, I guess." Pilled. <laughs> now, there's one exchange in the interview I thought was really interesting um, in light of what has happened since. So, Doug Jensen talks about regrets he might have for his participation in the events of January 6th. Any regrets about your actions that day? I don't know. It depends on if the outcome I wanted happens. Then it would have been worth it. But if nothing happens except for negativity from this and I'm a rioter, then yeah, I completely regret it. Goddamn, Doug. I know. He's like, yeah, if, if, if the government gets overturned and we get another four years of Trump, yeah, I'll gladly do, you know, I'll gladly do time. Uh, <laughs> but if it turns out that none of this is true and, like, I'm literally just, like, a, a seemingly violent person on the news wearing a wearing a conspiracy theory T-shirt, then, like, yeah, not worth it. No, nah, it wasn't good if that's what reality <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, that's what, that's what it is, Julian. It's Now, nah, that wouldn't be good if that's, like, what reality is. And yeah. that is reality. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is like, a, I think, another really classic example of like the, the ways in which like the people who are really, really ruined by QAnon um, are very frequently, you know, the QAnon followers themselves. Like, you know, they, they just like they're used by the far right and they're chewed up and they're jailed and they're, you know, they're ruined and they lose their friends and their family and um, they get nothing out of it. And like, geez, I mean, I just, I, it's, it's just so frustrating to listen to him, like, you know, go back and forth between like realization that he doesn't really understand anything. He doesn't understand what all these symbols mean. He does he, all these things he thinks is going to happen, just never happen. But then he goes right back into his old habits and thinks that, oh no, I've got the Q insight. I've got, knows what, what's really going mm -hmm. on. Just back and forth until he's, he's just, he's just so, so mixed up. Travis, I think you're right, but but for one thing, um, what it does give him is hope. And if you know, you read the transcript, he's I, I hope JFK Jr. is 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 real, and I hope these people are gonna make you know confessions from Gitmo, and I I hope I wasn't just a, a, a rider. There there is mm -hmm. that's it. That's 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 all there is. It's it's something to hope for. It's something to look forward to. But it's like, it's so profoundly dissociative at the yes. same time. So it's hope that's generated from 
literally rewriting Fiction, reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sad. And it's wild to, you know, to think after all of these years, you know, I remember sitting in Julian's old apartment going over the cue drops and what the reaction. And here we are, you know, three, three and a half years later, whatever it is, four years later, and we're reading through a testimony, you know, of somebody who is on trial for for multiple federal crimes. And we're hearing all of that broadcast back to us in this Mm -hmm. scrambled sort of jumble that is really meaningless. I mean, even for the storytelling, for the lore of what QAnon tried to establish, uh, this is what we're left with. And Mm -hmm. it's totally depressing. Uh, It's discouraging. Um, I feel bad for Doug Jensen. I feel bad for the, uh, you know, I feel bad for the FBI agents uh, that had to. uh, Oh, fuck them. (laughs) I was just kidding. I was just kidding about that. Um, No, the whole situation, the whole situation sucks. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go subscribe at patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous for five bucks a month. You'll get access to our premium episode every week, which is in addition to the free one. And we are currently running a series written by Travis Few called Trickle Down, as we mentioned at the top of the episode. And other series will be coming out there, too. It's all in the same place. It's all for five bucks a month. So head over to Patreon. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. And we appreciate it. For everything else, we have a website, QAnonAnonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. This is me, touching the White House. This is why we're here, so you know.